Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. To turn in your Bible today to the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to begin reading at verse 12. Our notes for this message are in the Victory Church app. Note takers, our history makers, and our world changers. Get ready to take some notes today. You're going to want to go back and uh, reflect on this message today, I know. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Wait a minute. All right, here we go. That's it. Verse 12, I've been giving you all the time I'm going to give you. Here we go. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church in Philippi. Through inspiration, through the Holy Spirit, he pens these words. Not that I have already obtained all of this. Now, just let me give you some context here. The Apostle Paul, in chapter 3, in writing to the Philippian church, he's recounting his spiritual experience. He's recounting his past and how he met the Lord on the Damascus Road. He's talking about how he's still in process. He's not quite arrived. He's not quite apprehended. He's not quite fully taken a hold of everything that God has yet in store for him. But he's looking back and reflecting on the past, and he's talking about how he met the Lord and how the Lord saved him, how the Lord changed him, how the Lord sent him out on purpose with a mission. And he says this, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, fully knowing the Lord and knowing him as he knows me, or I have already arrived at my goal. I haven't arrived at my goal, but here's what I do. I press on, Paul says, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Your translation in your Bible might say apprehended. How many of you have ever been apprehended? Don't raise your hand. You might have ended up in a place that you didn't want to be. You got apprehended. It said Christ Jesus apprehended me. He took hold of me. He took hold of my life. And brothers and sisters, verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing I do I forget what is behind and I strain toward that which is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. And everybody who receives God's word say amen. Today, I want to share with you from this subject, the title of my text today is New Year, New Direction. New Year, New Direction. How many know that God has a new thing that he's doing in your life and in the life of this church and in the world? He's got a new thing that he's doing in this new year. And that new thing that he's going to do will require new direction. God will take you in a new direction. He'll show you a new way to do a new thing. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Will you bow your heads and hearts in prayer with me as we get going? Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity today to gather around your word. 
You said in your word that at the entrance of your word there is light. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, help us today, Lord, to not just come into this moment, Lord, just to sing a song or attend a service or hear a sermon. But God, let us come into this moment today to hear from heaven. Father, our hearts are open, our ears are listening, and our eyes want to see what you have in store for us today and in the days ahead. God, we give you praise and thanks for what you're going to do in our hearts and in the life of our church, even in advance, Lord, as we pray. Right now, we give you glory and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. If you receive it, say amen. Well, it was New Year's Day, 1929. How many of y'all were alive back then? Is anybody in here? <laughs> New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech played the California Bears in a football game known as the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, as they call it. And in that game, there was a young man who played for the California Bears. His name was Roy Riggles. That's a fun name to say. It's kind of like Ron Shekels, my brother. Where is he at today, by the way? Is Ron here? Hey, Ron, hey, if you, you need to sign up for Upward Sports. Remember, that's uh, coming up. There's Ron right there. You need to check in with him um, by the end of the day if you want to help out with Upward Sports. But Roy Riggles uh, recovered a fumble for the California Bears. He was playing defense. He picked up the loose ball. He began to run to the goal line. He ran 65 yards. He was getting ready to cross over the goal line, but his teammate was running right behind him, telling him, slow down, stop, no. This man named Benny Lam was the quarterback. He ran him down and he tackled him just before he scored for the opposite team. Why? Because he went in the wrong direction, to the wrong goal line. Oh, several plays later, the California Bears had to punt, and Georgia Tech blocked that kick and scored a safety, further demoralizing the California Bears in the Rose Bowl that year. And ever since that moment on, Roy Riggles was famously known as Wrong Way Riggles. He earned that name. I know that there are many people, though, today, we laugh about it. It's a crazy story. But there are many people that live their lives this way. They go the wrong way. They've lost sight of the goal, or maybe they've never even had a goal. Uh, they are directionally challenged, you could say. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how they're going to get there. They don't have a goal. They just wander through life expecting that everything is going to turn out wonderful. In our time this morning, I want us to consider this important principle of new direction for a new year. And it's this. The direction that you are going will determine the destination that you arrive at. In our text today, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing as a prisoner in a Roman prison. He's writing to the church of Philippi, and he's giving them some instructions. He's talking about, in, in chapter 3, his past. He's giving his spiritual biography about what God had done in his life, about what is currently going on in his life, and he's talking about what the future holds for him. 
In other words, he's talking about new direction. He's talking about how he hasn't arrived yet, but he's pursuing the Lord's plan for his life, and he's going and moving toward God's direction. New direction in this new year, I want to encourage you, is going to require three looks. Three new looks for new direction in this new year. It's going to require first a look back to see where you have been. See, the reality is you can't really know where you are or, or where you're going until you know where you are. And you can't know where you are until you look back and see where you've been. In recounting the moment of his conversion, Paul says that Jesus, Christ Jesus had took a hold or apprehended him. He saved him. He sent him out on his life mission. And you can't get to where you need to go until you know where you are, but you cannot know where you are until you look back and see where you've been. You see, it's important and there are great benefits for us looking back to where we've been. When we look back to where we've been, we can learn about God's faithfulness that has brought us to where we are today. So look back and you can learn about the providence of God. The providence of God is God bringing you and accomplishing his plan to get you to where you are today. When you look back, you can see the presence of God. The providence of God, the presence of God. You can see the provision of God, God providing everything that you need that has got you to this place today. But not only can you see his providence and his presence and his provision, you can see his protection on your life. How many of you can say, I don't know that I should even be here today because there's some things that God kept me from. There's some silly things that I was involved in. There's some things I got caught up in and I got involved in and I got running with the wrong people and I shouldn't be here where I am today, but God protected me and he kept me safely to this place today. God protected me. You can look back and there's benefits on looking back. When we look back, we can see what the Lord we can remember what the Lord has done for us. We can rejoice in what he's doing for us. And we can receive what he's yet to do for us. The way to trust God today is, and what God will do tomorrow is to remember what he's done in the past. Toward the end of 2022, at this time of year, as I always do, I started praying about and really seeking what the Lord would want for us as individuals and us as a church. I believe that the Lord gave me this word for our church, and that word was breakthrough. I declared it over us as a community, as a church. The Hebrew word for breakthrough is perez. It means a gap, a break. It means uh, a rupture or a tear or a breaking up or a shattering of something. And as the God of the breakthrough, the Lord was challenging us to invite him into our problems, into our situations into our impossibilities, into barriers, into situations and obstacles that were blocking our way from living and walking in everything that God had planned for our life in 2023. And as we look back as individuals and as we look back as a church, we can truly see the hand of the Lord and him being the God of the breakthrough. The Lord has broken through in incredible ways in our lives and in our church in 2023. Let me just give you a rundown. As I was preparing for this message, I wanted to look back and see what the Lord had done through our church and how he had broken us through obstacles and limitations and hindrances 
for his purpose, for his honor, and for his glory to show himself as the God of the breakthrough. In January, our Rainbow Express Preschool and our Victory Kids Care became their own LLC. That's a big deal. In February, our food pantry building plans were submitted to the city of Winchester. Just drawings, mere drawings submitted to the city of Winchester. In in, uh, February, we also held our first Embrace Marriage Conference. Our Upward Sports Ministry was for the first time presented to the Victory Church Board of Directors, and we move forward on having a budget uh, for that ministry. In March, we hosted our annual Kingdom Builders Conference, our missions conference, and we broke ground on our food pantry building in March. You remember that? Well, we brought the excavator out. We dug holes in the ground. We had the blueprints, but, and we had some machinery, but all we had was a vision. All we had was a plan. And in April, we replaced, listen to this, it's not, maybe not a big deal to you, but it's a big deal when you're in leadership or maybe when you're a pastor of the church. We replaced the rubber roof on our building back here. Y'all know how, <laughs> listen, at your house, if you replace the roof at your house, you know it ain't cheap. You multiply that by 10 or 15. I found that that's the way it is at, at church in big buildings like this, right? It costs a lot of money to keep things operating, but we were able to put that new roof on with a 20-year warranty. Uh, we held the first in... Uh, In April, we held the first of many auctions throughout the year. We had our first auction for our food pantry. We raised $25,500 for our food pantry to go to offset the cost uh, for the food pantry. We did, listen to this other fundraiser, we did a car show in August. We did apple butter in October. We did a Kiwanis Pancake Day in November, as well as a bake sale. And in December, the Winchester Community Choir are giving us the love offering toward our Olive Branch Food Pantry. Come on, give God praise for that. But I'm not done yet. In May, we had the grand opening for our newly completed Victory Park out here, our playground that we built out here on the church property. Um, And there was also, listen to this, there was also a $34,000 donation that went to the renovation of our youth room over here on the backside of the property because they were willing Um, to use their space, to give their space for the food pantry during COVID over the last three years, which has been an extended time. And and they met, the youth ministry met in here so that the food pantry could have space. And a $34,000 donation for that renovation um, happened in the month of May. In June, we held our vacation Bible school, our outreach uh, to our community, the kids in our community. We also held our Victory Church picnic at, at, at Jim Barnett Park. In July, a company donated for free the dirt and development of our sports fields, upward sports fields that we talked about way back in February. Come on. On the Frederick County side of our property. And in August, hundreds of people attended our back-to-school bash, and we gave out over 350 backpacks and school supplies. In September, we had our friends and family Sunday. In October, we appreciated 100 of our Dream Team volunteer uh, teams with um, an appreciation brunch at Rolling Hills Farm and Vineyard. In November, we broke attendance records as hundreds attended our fall festival. And finally, in December, we hosted uh, Christmas in Winchester. We saw hundreds of people come through for our Christmas services, and we had the Winchester Community Choir uh, present their Christmas presentation. Throughout the year, we sensed the hand of the Lord on everything that we were doing. Decisions were made for Christ. Many were baptized. 
Numerous were welcomed in as new members. Our tithes and offerings increased as well as our continued support of Kingdom Builders, our missions arm of the church, with over 70 missionaries and missions organizations here in the nation and around the world. God is the God of the breakthrough. Come on, give him praise. If you know that he's the God of the breakthrough and that he's broken through for you and he's broken through for us. There's great benefits on looking back to where we have been because we learn about the faithfulness of God. But there's also great detriment if we stay looking in the past. You see, because God wants us to learn from the past, but he doesn't want us to live in the past. He doesn't want us to live in the past because he doesn't want, he doesn't want us to, to stay in the past because he doesn't want us to live in the past. He wants us to leave the past. Leave the past behind. You see, there's a great detriment, a grave detriment in when we rehearse our past failures or our past pain, even our past victories. Why? Because God has things he's yet wanting to do. And his story that he's writing through you as an individual and through us as a church is not yet accomplished. God is not done. He has greater things yet in store for us and for this city and for this world. I recently read the story of a pastor who grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. And he was called preacher uh, by his friends that he grew up with. This is a rural community. And uh, they had one of their chickens that died. And so when the chicken died, uh, his friends said, uh, Preacher, we need you. We're going to have a service uh, for this dead chicken. And so they had a service for this chicken that they put, you know, in the ground. And boy, they had a time. These country boys came together and they sang and they prayed and they, and they shouted. Come on, they preached. And then they said, Pastor, it's time to do the eulogy, uh, for, to, to do the service uh, for this dead chicken. And so he preached this dead chicken's, this rooster's funeral. They buried him in the ground. Well, they got bored the next day, and so they decided, hey, let's dig up the chicken. Let's have service again. And they dug him up the next day. And they dug him up the next day. And then after a week, one of the boys said, y'all want to dig him up again and have a service? And one of the other boys wisely said, you know what? He stinks. I don't want to dig him up. He stinks too much. Just leave him buried, he said. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that there are sometimes things in our life just need to be buried. We need to leave them buried. Leave the things in the past behind that are holding us back. Leave them there and live in the new thing that God wants to do in our life that he's yet to do. This is why the Apostle Paul could say in, in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. There's nothing wrong with remembering the past, but God wants us to remember the past, to learn from the past, that we might not live in the past, that we would leave the past behind, that we would live in the things that God has for us today and in the days to come. Come on, give him praise if you're looking forward to the things that God is yet to do. There's no benefit in letting your past haunt you. The Lord has forgiven you. You need to remind yourself that you need to forgive yourself and move on. Look back and remember God's providence, his presence, his provision, and look back at his protection 
ever ready to leave the past and move into the new thing that God is wanting to do in us and through us this year. And so the three new looks that we need to have, we need to look back to see where we've been. Secondly, we need to look around to see where we are. New direction for this new year requires us to look around to see where we are. Brothers and sisters, Paul said, I don't consider myself to yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That word straining in the text right there is in the present tense. He's saying, I am in this moment, in the moment of now. I'm straining ahead. I'm putting my hand to work. I'm looking toward what God is doing right now. I'm not living in my past, but I'm living in my now to see what God is yet to do in my future. I'm looking around, Paul says, to see what God is doing now. Open your eyes, listen up to see what God and to hear what God is doing now in your life. Oh, but the hardest place for us to live is the present You see, we can readily look back at the past to see what happened. We can, with great anticipation, look forward to the things that are yet to come. But how many of you know that it's sometimes hard? It's troublesome. It's traumatizing. It's difficult to look at the here and now and rise up and do what God has called us to do today. But in reality... The only one thing that we can control is the present. We can't control what happened in the past or what happens in the future, but we can control what we do today. And so here Paul is saying that we are to live in the now. How are we to live in the now? I'm going to give you four ways. We're the first, Paul says, to concentrate. Write this down, to concentrate, all right? This means to focus. This means to prioritize. Paul said, this one thing that I do, there's the one thing that I do. He's saying, I'm concentrating. I'm prioritizing. I'm making this the priority of my life. This is the focus of my life. I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But we live in a society of distractions. We live in a society where we can't say that we do one thing, but we can say we dabble in 40 things. Come on. We do many things, but do you do the one thing that's going to outlive and outlast you? Do you do the one thing that is the most important thing? Or do you ju- are you just caught up? Is your time, is your talent, is your treasure, is your emphasis and your focus on, on all these other things rather than the one thing that's most important? So the Apostle Paul is saying here, the most important thing for you to do and for you to prioritize is to concentrate on the goal at hand, the calling of God on your life. Hey, I appreciate the calling on your life in your workplace. I appreciate the calling of your life to get things in proper order in your finances and in your relationships. Come on. And in other things in your life and in, in, in your business and all the things that in your health and all the things that you're wanting to accomplish this year, the goals that you have. But God is saying the first and foremost thing that you need to prioritize is you need to prioritize his presence and his calling in your life. And as you do that, all these things, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. The apostle Paul says, I am concentrating on this one thing. I'm focusing on this thing. 
So the way that we live today in the present is that we concentrate on this one thing, pursuing God. We secondly abdicate. We concentrate and we abdicate. So this is what I'm saying to you here. In order to take a hold of what God wants to do, you're going to have to let go of some things. You're going to have to remove some things. You're going to have to put some things away. You're going to have to turn some things off. You're going to have to let go of some things that deter and detract you from reaching your goals. Maybe this is an ungodly relationship that you have that's going nowhere. Maybe this is your focus in that maybe you're on your electronics and, and, and this hinders you from being in the Word. Maybe you've got excuses or you're working too much or you're caught up in some hobby or you're caught up in some other things. God is saying today, you're going to have to let some things go in order to go where I'm taking you. You've got to let go of the past in order to cling and grab a hold to the things that I have for you in the now and in the future. You've got to let go of some things. Thirdly, Firstly, we're supposed to concentrate, then abdicate, then God wants us to participate. I love what Paul says here. I'm straining toward. Paul wasn't content. He wasn't casual. He wasn't complacent just sitting around and exploring all the options. He wasn't just sitting there like, oh, you know, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that, I'm not sure, or whatever. No, he put his hand to work. He was actually putting equity and work, sweat equity into what God had called him to do. Some of y'all are sitting around and you need to get to work. Come on. You need to get to work about the kingdom of God and the things of God. Paul is not just sitting around. He's participating. He's not just going through the motions. He's not just casual, complacent, content, but he's actually working. He's busy about accomplishing the goals that God has for his life. And this phrase pictures a runner. Listen, this is the, the word picture. This is the illustration that Paul is giving us in this text. It pictures a runner in a race as he nears the finish line. It's as if Paul was saying, as I get near to the finish line, I'm straining forward because I want to reach out with all I have to ensure that I win the race. Can you honestly say that you're straining to reach the goal? For most believers, the Christian life is optional. It's not essential. I'll do this. I'll go to church, but I won't do that. I'll, you know, I'll serve, but I'm not quite ready to give financially. Or I'll do this, but I won't do that. But God, God is asking us to prioritize and participate in the things that are essential. Finally, we're to navigate. We're to concentrate, abdicate, participate, and lastly, we're to navigate. Listen, without a specific de uh, destination, you're going to wander about without direction. Paul had a goal. And he says, I have a destination that God's taking me. But I'm not just aimlessly wandering around. I'm navigating. I'm making decisions. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get to where God wants me to go. And that's what we have to do. We have to move in a purpose and a direction toward the goal of pleasing God and finding what he wants to do with our lives in this new year. And this is what we are, as a church are here to do. As we enter into this new year, this sacred season, we're not just talking about what is yet coming up in this new year for us as a church, which I'm going to share here with you in a minute. 
But I want to, we want to give you a path and we want to give you practices so that you can successfully enter into all that God has for you this year. These next few weeks are going to be an incredible season of prayer, fasting, and devotion beginning on January 7th. And we're going to continue through January 28th. We're going to have a time of 21 days of prayer and of fasting. And as a church, we're going to facilitate your success. We have prayer journals that you can pick up today as you leave. We have uh, services where we're going to meet together, pray for services. We're going to meet together on the 7th and on the 14th and on the 21st here in the sanctuary from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to be sharing resources with you and videos with you uh, throughout the week over the next uh, 21 days. To do and to become what God has called you to become in the new year is going to require you to look around and see where you are and how to get to where God is taking you. And you're going to have to navigate this, this season. This is what I love about uh, the scripture. Habakkuk says this in chapter 2, verse 2. Write down the vision and make it plain so that they may run who reads it. This is an important season of getting alone with God and finding out what the steps are to get you to where he's taking you. Lastly, new direction for this new year requires a look back to see where you've been, a look around to see where you are, and finally, a look ahead to see where you're going. Paul said, I pressed on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's what we do. We measure ourselves by the present or past success rather than measuring ourselves against the unfinished task. The apostle Paul says, I run this race, I press on that I might win. He didn't say that I have already won. He's measuring his success not on his past, not on his present, but upon the unfinished task. You have work to do. I have work to do. We have work to do as a church. I want us to look ahead to where we need to go. Over the last few months, as I've, months I've, as I've been seeking the Lord's direction for our church, the Lord is consistently speaking this word, this phrase, over our church. And I want to share it with you. The word, the phrase is undeniable freedom. 2024 is going to be the year of undeniable freedom. Freedom is defined as the power or right to think, speak, or act as one wants without hindrance or restraint. That's freedom. But what is undeniable freedom? The Lord gave me this word, undeniable. It means this. That which is unable to be disputed and observably true. It's undisputed. It's observably true. This freedom that we're going to experience. As the God of freedom, the Lord sets the captives free by breaking barriers, burdens, weights, and chains that hold us captive from living a life of freedom and fulfillment. Do you need freedom in your life? Invite the God of freedom to set you free from anything that hinders, anything that holds you back, anything that's a hang up or anything that's a hang on. As you go into your new year, I want you to look ahead as the God of undeniable freedom is going to lead you into a place of freedom. You know, I believe that there's power in the words that we say. I really do. Scripture says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And some preachers and some teachers and some denominations have really taken that and they've gone to the extreme with 
name it, claim it, where they say blab it, grab it, and prosperity and all those things, right? But I don't want us to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there is power in the words that we say. Job chapter 22, verse 28 says, decree a thing and it shall be established. And so I want to decree or declare some things over your life individually and over us as a church, just as I did last year. I took this moment in the service and I declared some things. I want you to stand up on your feet all over this room as we close today. And I want you to receive this word of God over your life that the Lord has given me. In 2024, just maybe, maybe just put your hands in a position to receive today, if you would. In 2024, God is going to break the unbreakable. God is going to do the undoable. He's going to move the unmovable. He's going to change the unchangeable. He's going to heal the unhealable. God is going to stop the unstoppable. He's going to, un- he's going to start the unstartable. He's going to free the unfreeable because he is the God of freedom, of undeniable freedom. You are going to be free from what has kept you bound. You will go where you've never been. You're going to do what you've never done. You're going to see what you've never seen. You're going to experience freedom in Christ that you've never experienced. You're going to experience freedom over fear, over your past, over pleasing people. You're going to experience uh, freedom over negative habits and addiction, freedom in your family, freedom in your health, freedom in your finances, freedom in your contentment, freedom in your trust in God, freedom in your spiritual growth, freedom in your willingness to forgive, freedom in your attitude and your emotions and your thoughts, freedom in the stewardship of your gifts and ministry, freedom in your career and your business, freedom in your purpose, freedom in your witness, freedom in building God's kingdom, and freedom in your love for God and for others. This new year, God is going to lead you into a place of undeniable freedom. If you receive it from him today, give him praise and thanks in advance. And so, as I close, a new year requires a look back at what God has done. A new year of new direction requires a look around to see what God is doing. A new year of new direction requires a look ahead to see what God is wanting and is yet to do. And in closing, the Lord really wanted me to go back and to address some past failures because some of you have guilt and shame and things that you've been holding on to and lies that you received and things that you're living in that you want to be free from and that you want a new beginning with? What if you've made bad decisions? What if you have not included God in your plans? What if you've messed up so badly that there doesn't seem to be a way of fixing your mistakes? I'm going to go back to our story. Roy Regals, as they, as they, as they came into halftime, they were down eight points. And the coach, Coach Price, had gathered the University of California Bears, the football team, he gathered them around in that locker room. And he began to talk to those young men. And he said, young men, the same ones that started in the first half are going to start in the second half. The men, young men got up and they began to make their way out of the tunnel. The coach looked back and he saw Roy just sitting there on the bench with his head down, his hands on his face. And the coach said to him, Roy, get up, let's go. Do you hear me? 
Roy was unconsolable. He didn't look up, didn't acknowledge coach. He said, Roy, did you hear me? Roy didn't make a move, so Coach Price made his way over to Roy. He said, Roy, did you hear me? He said, the ones that started in the first half are going to start in the second half. That's you. Roy looked up at his coach with tears streaming down his face, and he says, Coach, I can't, I can't go back out there. I'm too embarrassed. I've ruined the game for myself, and I've ruined the game I can't, I can't, for the team. I can't face those people. Coach Price reached out, put his hand on his shoulder and said, Roy, get up and go back. This game is only half over. To his people, God says this, and I want you to receive this. If you've been struggling with failure, if you've been struggling with forgiving yourself, if you've been struggling with holding on to the things of the past, you need a new beginning. God says to his people in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 21. I have made you. You are my servant. I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath, burst burst into songs. You mountains, you forests, and all you trees, for the Lord has redeemed you. He displays his glory in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.